This is What the FC. I'm Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. MLS is weird, and we love a good story. Let's go. Welcome back to What the FC. You are listening to episode 11, which feels crazy to say the higher up in numbers we get. Uh, it's really crazy to be in the double digits already. Um, today, Matt and I are going to be talking about branding. We want to talk a little bit about the uh, rebrands we've seen across the league, the announcement of new brands from expansion teams, and delve a little bit deeper than just reacting do we think this is cool do we like it we want to get into why are they rebranding what are the front offices trying to accomplish with a rebrand or the announcement of a new brand when they're doing this so that's really what we want to dive into today uh, and we're really excited for it the kind of impetus for it is that um, charlotte fc announced their branding this summer uh, with lots of fanfare and hype and plenty of opinions and so Matt and I were looking back at that time when Charlotte FC was announcing the branding this past summer, and we were thinking about what were they looking to do with that brand? What markets are they trying to target? All that kind of stuff. And then most recently, Houston announced a slight rebrand where they kept the Dynamo name, but they added FC and they completely changed their logo. And obviously there's lots of opinions there too. So Matt and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper and give you guys a, a sneak peek, a window into what these front offices are thinking when they are determining what their branding image is going to be. So I know you're ready for this one, Matt, but are you ready for this one? Oh, I am so ready. Matt's been really excited about this one for a while. This was Matt's show idea. Uh, he's been doing a lot of the research for it, so I know he's ready. Yeah, especially after last week's episode where that was like definitely, uh, like I said at the end of the episode where you texted me in like the middle of the night. It was yeah. past midnight probably. Yeah, and you're like, sure. oh, I've got a, a great episode idea. We're going to do an expansion draft. And I've already set out my game plan on this Excel sheet and got my whole strategy down. And I was like, oh, gosh. And so I was very much not confident with that. <laughs> and uh, but it went well. This week, yeah, it went, it, went, well. it went well. But this week I'm very confident and very excited about this topic because I feel a little bit more in my ballpark. Yeah, for sure. Matt, as a business major, if you guys don't know, I'm a communication major. So this is definitely Matt has taken marketing classes this semester. This is really in his wheelhouse and he loves getting into this stuff. So he's going to give us a lot of that business focus perspective here today. So let's get straight into it. When Matt and I first started doing research for this episode, we quickly saw that three categories of brands in the league kind of developed. So you've got the recent expansion teams are category number one. Any recent expansion team since about 2013, 2014, every single one reflects a more generic worldwide feel. And so what I mean by this is Charlotte FC is a great example of that. Atlanta United, LAFC, Nashville SC, Austin FC is coming in the league this year. St. Louis City SC just announced. So all of these brands that are not American brands, they're not location and nickname, which would be our second category, which is our original or older expansion teams who have strong or acceptable American brands. So that would be like the Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers, uh, Colorado Rapids, all, all those teams. And then the third category 
is again these original or older teams who have changed and ridden this wave that has come with these expansion teams coming in and they've changed away from the american names and have either modified or completely rebranded to reflect that more worldwide generic feel so some people that have modified like the dynamo the fire the crew the galaxy the quakes they've all changed their logo pretty significantly to update it but they've kept their kind of american name but then you've got like sporting kansas city FC Dallas, New York Red Bulls, who have completely changed their entire brand from what it used to be. New name, new logo, in some cases, new colors, and completely aligned with this more generic worldwide idea. So those are kind of the three categories that we've seen, and it really uh, settles out quite interestingly. And we're seeing this new trend of the FC trend, as we're going to call it on this episode. And so... My question to tee up Matt then is what are these front offices and the marketing teams, what are their thinking processes as they go through a rebrand or they're creating a new brand for an expansion team? What, what are they doing? What are the conversations they're having? What are their goals, their targets, all that stuff? Give us a lesson. So I got really excited there for a second because I thought you were about to whip out like a really funny question like or a punny uh, question and be oh. like, so Matt... I did. What the FC? Because you already said we got an FC debate here of being like this new branding and everything. But it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let that one slide. I'll you're, let the, you're the pun guy. I got to yes. work on it. It's yes. something I need to work on. I need to add it to my podcast repertoire is the puns. I'm yes. really not good at them and I've got to focus more on it. Yes. So I mean, I know. Feedback, feedback taken. Feedback yeah. taken. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, moving forward. Um, although I don't have a doctorate, a master's. Or even a completed bachelor's degree. (laughs) You're close. I do have plenty of student debt that verifies (laughs) that I've been paying lots of money to learn about these topics. Now, hopefully, by by the end of the episode, you'll see that that money is hopefully well spent. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. But anyway, so before we begin uh, to analyze why MLS clubs rebrand, it's important to understand the role of marketing and segmentation. Or simply put, just branding in general. And just a quick PSA before we start this part, uh, this part is going to include a lot of business focused stuff, but we're going to do our best to weave soccer stories in and out of it to keep it as relevant as possible for you. We don't just want to sit here and lecture about marketing principles all day long like Matt has to when he sits through his classes in class. We want to make this a little bit more engaging. So uh, just a PSA for you before we get into this segment, stick around with us. We're going to continue to make it engaging and about soccer. Yeah. So ultimately what I'm trying to do is equip you listeners with tools of kind of business marketing lingo kind of strategies yeah and look at the front offices which are business and marketing teams it it, business is business doesn't matter what your product is it could be um, sports which is uh, entertainment or you could have manufacturing it's products you got to make sure people know what your products are and why they need it so yeah to expand on that marketing is a set of processes for creating capturing, communicating, and delivering value to customers. So simply put, marketing's main goal is to let people know what your product is or your service and why they should either buy it or go watch it or what or whatever. Engage yeah. with it in any way, yeah. For them to get value out of it. Yeah. So why why is it valuable to you? Um 
And so in order to achieve their financial uh, goals, a club's marketing team, either in-house or outsourced, uh, it depends on which team, they must determine who their segment or simply put, again, is their target market, which yeah. is a specific group of consumers at which a product or service is aimed. So segmentation, so selecting a target market is important because it allows you to design an offering that is closer to what a specific target market wants. So with running shoes, something that we're both very yeah. familiar with. I know you're wanting to run a marathon uh, soon. Yep, enough. training for a marathon, ran 15 miles last weekend. I think it's another long run this weekend, but anyways. Yep, yeah, late so to recording the podcast today because he was running, but it's, uh, <laughs> I it's did, okay. I got lost on my run and I was late. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so a running shoe that is meant for long distance running is going to be different than a running shoe that's meant for sprint. Yeah. So you have different needs of a long distance versus a short distance runner. And so you have a different product and you have to make sure people know the difference between them. So segmenting 101 with Matthew McCutcheon and Will Martin. Wait, on the running shoe though, like are we going to talk about how that marketing probably worked really well for you considering you were running in like free runs that was like running barefoot out there? And then you finally gave in and, and bought some bought oh, some hokas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't wanting to quite admit that, that I was running in a pair of like six or seven year old shoes. Might as well have been running in sandals. Every time I was like, well, dude, my shins, my knees are killing I was me. Like, Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. And, yeah. But anyways, it's been a whole new world of running that I've gotten to enjoy. I can finally go past five or six miles without like absolutely dying of shin splints. But anyway, yes. anyway, that's completely beside the point. Keep going. Yes. So segmenting 101 with Matt and Will Martin, or well, Matt McCutcheon and Will Martin. <laughs> Step one, you must establish an overall strategy or objective. You got to know what you're doing. What do you want as a marketer for uh, a sports organization? Who do you want to attract? Why do you want to attract them? Right. And so a team must properly state and understand their current or new vision. So current vision would be someone that like Charlotte FC of someone coming into the league yeah. or for someone that's rebranding a new vision of somewhere like you want to adjust into a new target market. Yeah. We, we saw that recently here with Houston Dynamo. Um, well, Houston Dynamo FC now, I guess. Yeah. Um, they have a new chief marketing officer um, who seems really great. And they are really trying to shift into a new era of the Houston Dynamo. And so she's come in and completely like they've rebranded the whole logo. They added FC at the end of the name, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what you're speaking to there is shifting to that new vision. And mm -hmm. they probably sat down in a boardroom together. And before they even talked about what the new logo would look like, the first thing they did was sit down around a table and be like, what does the Houston Dynamo mean to us, mean to this community? Yeah. And what is our vision for the Houston Dynamo? You have to get that on the paper first yeah. and out in front of everyone before you can even think about colors or logos or any of that stuff. Yes. So just to give an example of step one there. Yeah, perfect. That's, that's a really, really good illustration. And furthermore, they have new objectives with that. So their objectives for being Houston Dynamo are going to be different than what their new objectives are for being Houston Dynamo FC and also being with, I think Houston Dash is like they, yes, they restructured. Yeah. And so they're going to have different objectives. Next, they also must be self-aware enough of themselves through a SWOT analysis. So anyone who's been in like a business class or 
I mean, like a self-help class or anything. You, you got to run a quick SWOT analysis. Okay, which, so I haven't been in a business class and I haven't been in a self-help class. So can you explain SWOT analysis? Yeah, luckily I've me? been in both of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so SWOT is an acronym, S-W-O-T. So strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Okay. And so Houston Dynamo had to look at their strengths. They had to look at, you know, their, their target demographic, their current performance and being like, okay, we've had lots of success early on in our existence. Yep. We haven't gotten there right now. So that is a weakness. Yeah. What is the new opportunity? Oh, we can, you know, rebrand. We can bring together our women's team and our youth team under one umbrella and restructure and be united as a, as a team moving forward. So that's an opportunity. What, what's the threat? If they don't change, they face a threat of, you know, maybe not adapting and going under like Chivas USA. Yeah. If they do rebrand, it could go bad as well. Exactly. And so they got to see what the threats are. They got to weigh all those things so that they know what their objectives need to be moving forward. Right. So step two is using segmentation methods. So this is just kind of criteria of who you want your target audience to be. So this could be either geographic. So within kind of like a state or a region like the Southeast or within a county or even within like a county in different subsets uh, of town. So like with L.A., um, you have LAFC, they're in downtown and then you have LA galaxy and they're in Carson. So they're targeting different locations of LA. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that can go beyond even where they are currently, like where they physically are. Yeah. Um, maybe with uh, major league soccer, the focus right now is probably on getting your community and your fan base strong. Yeah. Some really forward thinking and future oriented front offices are probably thinking about MLS in 20 years when it's more of a worldwide brand, how is our brand going to resonate with those people? I think we saw that with Manchester city. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. They're an English premier league team. And, um, recently they changed their logo, uh, which feels weird. Like it feels like this is a very MLS thing, but this happens everywhere. So a premier league team who has won premier league titles changed their logo because they've in recent years gotten a big injection of money with new owners and they need to go from just resonating in Manchester to resonating worldwide. So I'm sure when they sat around the table trying to draw up their new logo, they looked at this geographic thing and they were like, we're not worried about just Manchester or just England. We're worried about our Asian market. We're worried about our fans in the United States. We're worried about our fans in South America. How can we create a brand that's going to resonate with all of them? Um, so that's kind of the things that they're thinking about there. I think with MLS, it's probably a little bit more local. Yeah, right now, yeah. It's, it's more of like a, a local and national level. And yeah. I think moving forward, they want to keep it open. That's why you're seeing all these FCs is yeah. something that's going to be palatable for people abroad right um so you have something that's geographic Mm -hmm. in terms of who you want to target you can also do demographics so that can be age gender income education you name it and so with that you have mls and a lot of these teams want to target these young Mm -hmm. diverse diverse Yeah. yeah and also you want kind of these millennials that are making money and it, that that's like a big thing for them. Yeah. Then, if you actually look at soccer uh, in the U.S., according to studies done by Nielsen, um, 
it, the most popular uh, demographic, uh, 55% of 16 to 24-year-olds in the U.S. say that they're interested or very interested in soccer in 2017. And then that's 50% for 25 to 34-year-olds. And then it's only 14% for 55 to 69-year-olds. So those statistics just go to illustrate the data behind why MLS is a young person's league. Yeah. I mean, like, that it, it, feels it's weird, weird to yeah. say, but that's definitely kind of the target market. That's the lifeblood of what pushes a, a club forward. I'm not saying that there aren't some awesome 60 year old fans out there. I'm just saying that the target market probably isn't them. They're kind of an exception to the rule. Yeah. You look at the MLS All Star game from last year yeah. and you had the F2 freestylers. So they're mega YouTubers, right. all on social media and they're hosting it. Yeah. And so that's how they're going to be promoting it and everything. And so that, that's going to be big um, for MLS when they renegotiate their TV contract is they need to figure out how they can align that with their demographic. It's like, yeah. are these young people are going to be watching cable or whatever, but that's, that's a whole different story, but yeah, Mo more uh, segmentation methods. So. Yes, exactly. And so demographics one psychographic is also another one lifestyle, self-concept and self-values because core values will shape everything. They shape how a consumer interprets everything mm -hmm. because you can have someone that's in a low socioeconomic um, demographic, yeah, but they might aspire to be something of like a middle class yeah. or an upper class. And so that's why they're going to be wearing like maybe off brand Gucci stuff. Maybe that's why yeah. they're buying or I guess leasing a car that might be a little bit too nice for what they can afford. Mm -hmm. It's because they identify their values with that upper echelon of socioeconomic. That's just one criteria. Right. Um, and so you have like a lifestyle type deal. It's like with LAFC, you, you yeah. have something that's sleek, modern. That's a psychographic type of thing yeah. where someone can associate with like, oh, wow, that looks really I guess modern that looks really professional. Yeah, I, I like that uh, image, and and even with we, we we see this a lot with like this new trend. We see it a lot with Atlanta United, and we're seeing it some with LAFC and a little bit with Inter Miami in their first year. Is these jerseys and this merch becoming something that is a style statement? completely outside of soccer. Yes, right, and that's like a very psychographic thing. Is like how can we create our brand to resonate in like. For Atlanta, right, where the like rap scene is big and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, can we make the Atlanta United jersey something that is like will resonate with people in this community, even if they're not coming to our games, right? So yeah. uh, that gets kind of multiple levels deep there, but that kind of is an example of this psychographic. So we've got geographic, demographic, psychographic. What else we got? We have benefit. So okay. this is based off of convenience, economy, prestige. So like a big, a big one that I can kind of identify with that is history. What is the prestige of the organization and someone who wants to associate with that? Right. And so with Arsenal, every signing is so frustrating. Every signing that we've made, whenever the interviewer asks them, why'd you come to Arsenal? Yeah. It is such a historic club. There is so much <laughs> history, so many championships in the past, so many great former players. And I just wanted to write my name alongside that. Yeah. That's associating with something that's historic, something that gives them benefit. Um, and so that that's kind of like a more broad one that's not as yeah. relevant with, with soccer. And then lastly, we have behavioral. So this is about the occasion, loyalty. This is trying to target a, a demographic that 
they like so so with millennials mm-hmm. there there's some statistic i believe that that talks about how millennials are super likely to stick with like the first brand that they get with like with a credit card Interesting. Yeah. that's why credit card companies are sending you so many different uh, yeah. opportunities in the mail when you're like 60 or whenever you turn 18 it's because they know that if you start a credit with your first credit card you're going to stay with them more likely right. for at least, you know, five to 10 years yeah. uh, before you start figuring out what the difference between different credit cards are or whatever. Yeah. It's because that fan base is loyal. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be recurring customers. And, and and so you know that that money is going to be a little bit safer. Right. So you need to look basically for MLS teams. You need to look at the fan base and, okay, if you're a current uh front office that's rebranding your club uh, our current target market how loyal are they right like if we've been bad like are they still coming to games that kind of stuff or like do we have a market that is really saturated uh maybe for example chicago where we don't have as many fans that are so loyal that are like the seattle and portland fans that are coming to everything and selling every game out you probably need to approach your brand differently if you have a different level of loyalty in your fan base, I'm not saying it's good or bad. You each front office has to deal with what they have in front of them and different cities have to deal with different problems. Right. So, I mean like Seattle, while they have great fan base, they have to deal with just literally daily rain. And so they've got this turf field and that will make it difficult for them to maybe attract bigger stars sometimes and that kind of stuff. So all I'm saying by that is everyone's got something. I'm not trying to kind of, slanted anybody's uh club or city so yeah 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 that, that's that's a good illustration as well and so that's step three covered so we got all the different or step two covered excuse me yeah and so those are all the geographic demographic psychographic benefit and behavioral right yeah um, so a long conversation to yes. sit down and say all right let's analyze all these factors and let's put them all in one place so we can see them yes. and then let's go to step three yes and step three is evaluate how attractive the segment is and so with all the criteria that you've been handed before in terms of all right i want a geographic so i want this part of the city so lafc i I just enjoy like the the difference between them and galaxy yeah there it's a really good yeah so lafc they're like all right we want to target downtown we want to target young people Mm -hmm. so we want to target people that can relate with the style of the jerseys the style of the club and the style of the play on the field and so you can have like many different characteristics they wanted people that are going to be loyal and so they might tap into that latino hispanic market that is notorious for being super loyal like you look at the tv ratings of the hispanics uh in terms not hispanics but in terms of liga mx compared to premier league or compared to mls you have a high steady rate of people watching Liga Emekis who are safe to say most likely going to be Hispanic people. And so they can use that correlation and target those people. So once they have found that target market, that segment, they need to make sure that is measurable. They need to figure out, can we figure out how many people belong to this? And so that we can run different business analytics and different predictions in terms of what our revenue is going to be, what our budget is going to look like to run this club and in order to be profitable Two, is it substantial? Is it large enough to be profitable? Right. You don't want something that's too narrow and too small because then your max revenue is going to be super capped and that might limit the amount of profit that you make. And a business is made for profit. You don't want to be going to 
a super small market that's not going to be sustainable and picking a too small of a demographic. Same thing can be said for a big city. Like I think Chicago Fire kind of dealt with that when they moved to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. They have a huge market. Chicago is one of the biggest cities in the U.S., and they didn't target the majority of the people that live there. Right. And so they weren't able to generate the revenue. They weren't able to generate people coming to the games. Yeah, their target demographic was too narrow. Yes, too narrow. Third, is it durable? Are they going to be around long enough to be profitable? So like a, a really horrible example of this would be like targeting baby boomers. It's like, yes, I want baby boomers to love soccer. But realistically, they're only going to be around for like, 10, 15 years more max. Mm -hmm. Is that enough time to be profitable before that generation is gone? That's the danger with marketing to a generation because Mm -hmm. you risk being a fad and just, you know, uh, a flash in the frying pan, but you want to be something that's like a slow cooker. You want some good old Southern (laughs) barbecue pulled pork style. You put that thing on for like 12 (laughs) hours in the smoker and then you go and enjoy it for a while instead of something where you just throw it in the frying Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just a horrible illustration of what a marketer wants. They want something that's going to be able to, that they can manipulate. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, right. Like money drives, like money drives yes. these decisions. And so ultimately they are having these conversations that are very real like that. I mean, that is a very real concern. If you are someone that has a business that is trying to make money, it's just how it works, yeah. right? You got it. You got to work in black and white. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so after we've decided that, the market is the we can quantify it. We can figure out how many people belong to it. Mm-hmm. We've decided that they're big enough to be profitable. And we've also decided that they're going to be around long enough so that we can make a profit off of them, mm-hmm. but also manipulate what we're offering so that it better suits them right. before they get disinterested. So next up, they need to be accessible. How easily can you, an organization, promote and distribute your product to a segment? So pretty much with this is how effectively can you advertise or promote your product to that segment and how can you make it available for them to purchase? Yeah. And so you're not going to be putting on a ton of social media press posts and pushing all that for baby boomers who largely are not on that platform. You have to get where the market is. Mm -hmm. And so once you are there, waving your hand saying here i am here i am come watch me like all my games are so much fun to go to we have amazing merch here it is at this location it is at the stadium of a very accessible city and it is on a website here are our stores we're at dick sporting goods we're at academy sports this is where you can yeah. buy all of our merch you got to make sure that they can find a place to purchase it and that it lines up with how they find things and purchase them right lastly And this is kind of the most complicated one that is something that took me a while to figure out. But once I did it, it just kind of clicked and and made sense. So lastly, they have to have differential responsiveness. So does your target market, do they have a different preference for broad scale of like what you're offering? And then also do they have different preferences for what you are offering. So it's kind of like very vague terms, but let me let me try and make it more relevant to, mm-hmm. to this word. So just take deodorant for an example. You have men and women, two different segments, two different target markets. Mm-hmm. 
do they have different preferences for what type of deodorant that they want? Yes. So typically men will want something that smells a certain way that smells quote unquote manly, whatever the heck that means. <laughs> something that's going to be very sweat resistant, something that's going to last a long time. Mm -hmm. Women, they might have a different fragrance that they want. They might have like sensitive skin that they want to make sure since like most women like shave their armpits. So they want to yeah. make sure that they aren't going to have something that's going to affect that. So they have a big topic of deodorant. Yeah. Do men and women have a different preference for deodorant in general? Mm -hmm. They also must have different preferences for what type of deodorant. So men have different preferences for what type of deodorant. That's like saying I have a different preference for degree versus old spice. Right. They're both targeted to men, but men, you have to have some difference of preference for that smaller scale thing. Maybe I like Old Spice because of their advertisements, or maybe I like their scents that they offer better, or just the red label that they have. Or maybe I'm someone who's more of a minimalist and just like the simple branding yeah. of degree and how it's no nonsense. I have a different preference for each of those. Yeah. So basically to sum that up, if, if, if say I'm trying to market to you, I'm a dealer yeah. company and you literally don't care what type of deodorant you use and you literally don't or you literally don't care what what brand you get i'm wasting my time marketing to you yeah. because my marketing dollars are not being spent well because no matter what i put in front of you you don't care like you're just going to go buy whatever the first thing you see is exactly right and so it the way this kind of works over to soccer is that big topic do you have a preference do does your target market have a preference for soccer over other sports yeah so you're going to want them to have a preference for soccer over football baseball basketball you're going you're going to want to be their number one yeah. for the most part for the most part of your target audience and you need them to have a preference for a specific team so i might say i they're trying to market to me i might be a soccer fan i might have a preference for soccer but if i don't care what club it is i'll just watch anybody then they're kind of wasting their time marketing to me again, right? I have to have both of those things. Again, if I live in Charlotte and I'm like, oh yeah, cool, I'll support Charlotte FC because they're my team. So I have a preference for the small scale thing. Yeah. But if I don't really care about soccer at all, then I don't have the other thing. So you have to have both of those for the target audience to be relevant and to be able to be marketed yes, to. Yes, to be successful. Yeah, and speaking obviously in kind of general terms here. So I hope that made sense. Matt kind of explained it pretty well to me. Yeah. And I think I've got it under control now. If that didn't totally make sense to you, don't stress it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's another little nugget of information that we think is really relevant to this conversation. But if it didn't like totally land with you, don't like waste too much time on it. I think we'll move on to step four. Yeah. Well, before we oh, move yeah, on to yeah, step go. four, I just want to reiterate that in order for that segment, in order for that target market to be successful for, for you to be able to even move forward to step four, every single one of those steps being measurable, substantial, durable, accessible, and having different responses to different offerings. Mm -hmm. They all have to be met, every single one of them, or else you'll have a team that fails. Yeah. So th this is what happened with, I mean, just in general with soccer in the U.S., why a lot of it hasn't really taken off is because you don't have that differential responsiveness. You have big World Cups and where everyone's like, oh, I love American soccer. It's because... That's what's on during the summer or whatever. And so you want to support the soccer. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll support soccer. It's not my number one, but I'll, yeah. I'll support it. But then you have that other level of differential responsiveness of where, oh, 
I like U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team, better than Canada, better than Brazil, Argentina, all these other teams in the World Cup because they identify with them. They will select that soccer team compared to any other nation's soccer team. And so that's why you have that success translate in terms of viewership of the World Cup in the U.S. relative to MLS viewership. And there's totally like a bunch of different examples of where teams have gone wrong in terms of picking their segment. But anyways, going on to step four, now that you have found that market that satisfies every single one of those um, evaluations in step three, you need to select the target market. When you select them, you have to ask, does that target market not only look attractive in terms of the bottom dollar, the bottom line of being profitable, does it align with the organization's identity in step one? You got to compare step three and step one. Does this segment I, like relate with our goals? Do they relate with what characteristics our vision as an organization? Mm-hmm. Simply put, does the market make sense? Yeah. And so after you've done that and they met all the criteria, wow, this target market is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Step five, the final step. You need to identify and develop a positioning strategy. An organization needs to develop a strategy so that the target market can clearly perceive and understand the product or the organization compared with competing organizations. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, the goal of marketing is so that you can let the uh, consumer know what you're offering, why they should have it, and what benefit they will have out of it compared with other offerings of a similar thing. Charlotte FC, hey, we have a soccer team now. We're an MLS team. We're like big deal. We're major league soccer. And you're going to enjoy this because you like soccer. It's a great sport. You're going to really enjoy it. And you're from Charlotte. Yeah. And you're going to like us better than any other team in the league because we're not in Atlanta. We're not in Georgia. We're not in D.C. We're in the Carolinas. And so you're going to get some value compared to other teams in the area or in the country. And so hopefully that broadly makes sense. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, especially the differential responsiveness. That's something that's really hard to explain if I didn't have you at a dinner table, like I did with Will when we were preparing for, for this episode of explaining it to him. But roughly speaking, that is what a marketing team is trying to do when they're approaching a rebranding or just branding in general, like Mm -hmm. Charlotte FC is having to do and already have done. Yeah. So that's a really good explainer. And I think hopefully gives you a window into understanding the process behind the decisions that get made. Um, And so now let's talk a little bit more now that we understand the kind of the what and the why of a rebrand or branding. Let's have a broader discussion now about the trends we're seeing in major league soccer around branding. Um, And we mentioned it from the top at the beginning of the episode. We're seeing this huge trend of the the FC trend. Everyone wants to add FC or SC, and that's a little bit of a controversial one. So FC (laughs) stands for football club. SC would stand for soccer club. And FC is a really big worldwide footballing soccer thing like every club across the world has fc at the beginning or end of their name yes and so you're seeing this huge trend of mls clubs starting to kind of get in line with that more generic like city name with fc attached to it or maybe city and fc attached to it so what do you kind of think of this 
FC trend. I mean, we're really starting to go away from that American sports team thing. You see NHL, NBA, uh, NFL, all the major sports leagues in the U.S. are all city or location name with some sort of like mascot. Yeah. Like Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And and that's why the Washington football team is so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. And it's so funny to us because like that is every soccer club in the world. Yes. (laughs) Like Arsenal FC, Chelsea FC. I mean, Real Madrid, I think they're a CF. It depends on the language if you want to be really hipster. Barcelona (laughs) or FC Barcelona or whatever. It, it, every team has that football club or whatever, and de- depending on the language, exactly, it has that identifier of being like, "Hey, here's our sport." Yeah. But in American terms, it's like, foot. You don't have any football teams. That's why you don't have Washington football team. It's like I have uh, I have a friend who is a Washington football team fan, and whenever I see her, I'm like, "Oh, how is the football team doing?" <laughs> Just to mock her because it sounds so weird. No, you'd be like, "Oh, what are the? How are the Panthers doing? Or yeah. how are the Raiders doing?" But Anyway, so I think ultimately why team, you see teams doing this now in terms of shifting to more of a global worldwide market. Yeah, so again to yeah. re- again to remind you, really every expansion team since about 2013, 2014 has done this generic FC thing. Like yeah. they just their city name with FC at the beginning or end and occasionally something different like Miami is Inter Miami, which is another kind of Inter is another word that uh, Yeah, is the Internationale. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's they were trying to replicate the a very famous pre, uh, prestigious club in Italy and yeah. Inter Milan. Yeah. It just kind of goes together Milan, yeah. Miami, whatever. But Anyway, so I so, think yeah, so that's what we see. Yeah. And we've seen a couple since that time of all these brands. This wave has also caught not just only the expansion teams, but yeah. also some existing teams who have rebranded to get in line with that as well. Yeah. So, th- again, I Houston just Dynamo. Remember, yeah. Houston Dynamo FC and, and even others that like the it used to be the Kansas City Wizards and now they're sporting Kansas City and yeah. sporting's another thing like Inter. So we're seeing this whole wave of stuff and I just wanted to remind you guys of the context that we're talking yeah. about here. So it's go on. not just new teams, it's older teams, original MLS teams that are yeah. rebranding with this new criteria. Exactly. And so why are we seeing that? Yeah. And ultimately I think it's because of the MLS rebrand in 2014. For quick context here, the league itself rebranded in 2014 with a new logo and colorway as it wanted to launch itself into a new era of soccer in the U.S. and Canada. So right around this rebrand is when we truly start to see the FC trend take off with expansion teams and rebranding teams. So to put it in the context, we must begrudgingly try and understand what an SBU is. I mean, is it a complex MLS topic if it... There isn't an acronym associated with it. Always acronyms. Acronyms are the best. <laughs> so an SBU, a strategic business unit, is a division of a of an organization itself that can be managed and operated somewhat independently from other divisions and may have different missions or objectives. So simply put, SBUs are semi-autonomous organizations that have unique identities compared with the other SBUs underneath that same umbrella. Wow, sounds like single entity structure that yeah. we that we talked about in episode yes, four. Exactly. Sounds suspiciously like single entity structure. Yes. And so as well as hinting, <laughs> we established this in episode four, which you should go and watch if you haven't already, and maybe a refresher is in the books. 
We discussed the roster rules and more importantly, the underlying structure of the league, MLS. It, it is a single entity structure. Mm-hmm. That means that every team in MLS is an SBU to a degree, in my opinion. That is why MLS ultimately decides which bids or teams enter the league, such as the case with Charlotte FC. We had to make a bid that was you know, very expensive yeah. in order to show, show them like, hey, we have a great city. We have this target audience that we want to um, want to attract, that we want to capitalize on. And we think they're going to make a lot of profit, but mm-hmm. also be good for the league. So. This is so that every team can guarantee success or every new team and current team can guarantee success slash profit for the league. That's everyone, not just the league office or the individual team office either. Everyone must benefit. So when MLS rebrands, every individual team or SBU within the league is incentivized as well since MLS is the umbrella right they are the conglomerate organization and kind of a weird sense that tell every one of the independent they're the proctor and gamble pretty much yeah. of of soccer in america and they tell all the individual companies like tide and whatever all the other um subsidiaries mm-hmm. of proctor and gamble to rebrand is like hey we have this new criteria of people that we want to you know cater to like you saw that with mls they have a new, way more sleek and really cool logo. They yeah. have that new intro song that is identifiable with something like the Champions League right. in, in Europe. And so you have the the league wanting to be like, hey, we want to become a global league mm-hmm. and we want to be comparable with the Premier League one day. Like that's where they're aiming. They want to be on top, just like any other organization. They want to be on top. Mm-hmm. And so since the league, the umbrella wants to be on top, they have new criteria that all their subsidiaries, all their SBUs, all their teams in the league must follow. And 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 that's why all these new teams since 2013 and 2014, when they either rebrand or enter the league, are having these FCs, SCs, CF or whatever, and, yeah. and replicating these worldwide trends of what mm-hmm. a soccer team or a football team looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think that's a really good point, and it definitely has a lot to do with that. I think to caveat it from my perspective, I think it's not necessarily like mandated. It's not not mandated by the league by any means. If you're coming into the league, that you have to do this kind of branding or this kind of thing. I think it's kind of just like MLS rebranded in 2014, and they were on the front end of this like wave of this trend as. MLS has grown substantially from yeah. in the last decade, from 2010 to 2020. It has grown absolutely exponentially. It's it's really crazy to look at where the league was in 2010 when I started watching it, right on 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. to where it is now, 10 years later. Incredible difference. The quality of everything is just through the roof compared to what it was. Um, so to get back to the topic, I think that the league rebranding I don't think they necessarily mandated to teams, hey, you like have to do this. But I think it's kind of like, hey, we're doing this. You should probably, like everyone in the league, hey, you should probably think about a rebrand. You should probably think about modernizing, getting with the target demographic, all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's why you're kind of seeing. I think the league's encouraging it, but not mandating it. Yeah, and yeah. The key it, word. It's, it's a whole wave. Yeah, the key word there is incentivized. I yeah, don't think there's yeah. any, like all these owners are, like they're putting their dollar 
into these organizations. So you're not going to force them to do something that, you know, that they're having to shell out money and put risk, right. uh, risk for. It's more of like, Hey, I don't think that y'all want to go under and have to really experience some hard years like Houston Dynamo were yeah. experiencing. And it's like, if you don't adapt to this new wave, you're going to get swallowed up. Right. And so I think that's more along the lines. Like we have like a similar understanding, I guess, at the end yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, of what the purpose of that is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that has a lot to do with what it is. And um, I think also the FC, I'm using FC. It's not just about having FC at the end. It's it's more about not having that like American nickname. Yeah. But we're kind of calling it the FC trend just to make it more shorthand. Yeah. I think going away from those Americanized brands is setting these franchises up to have better global brands. Yes. Right? That yeah. are, are much more relevant even out of market, right? And, and are relevant for people in different countries or uh, different states or across the world. It's a vision. Like we talked about earlier with Manchester City. So I think we're starting to see the edges of really big long-term vision from all these yes. owners trying to set themselves up for the well and not corner themselves into a bad branding corner that yeah. could like start to backfire on them over a longer period of time. So I got a question then for you, Matt. Uh, if we're seeing this huge trend, we're still seeing a lot of teams stick around with their American brands. I mean, I think the Seattle Sounders, the Portland Timbers, the LA Galaxy all jump immediately to mind You've also seen some guy, some teams that have rebranded that have kept it, but you know, kind to of a struck, degree, struck yeah. a compromise, like Houston Dynamo adding FC to the end and completely changing their logo. And if you look at the logo change, regardless of what you think of the new logo, the old logo needed changing. Yeah. I mean, it was like really, really 2002. Like yeah. it was, it needed it needed changing. So, but they only did it to a degree. Do you think that long term? the like American name for some, some of these franchises is, is going to be doomed long-term. I think yes. And, and just being very harsh about it because you have to align with the vision of the league. If you're wanting to get where the league's wanting to go, you have to follow the criteria that they're using for it. I think that Seattle Sounders and Portland, mm-hmm. They're incredible. They're super successful. Yeah, this is what I was going to yeah. ask. Like, you, you feel yeah. the same so way they're, they're, even yeah. about the Sounders? Yeah, even about the Sounders. The and more so with the Timbers, as much as I hate it. So so as a fan, we've we've talked about of yeah. like that insecure, the insecurities that are intertwined with the American soccer or the American football fan. Mm-hmm. Whenever we talk to someone who's, you know, either European or South American on our team and, and we say soccer or something like that. We always feel super insecure. But even if we say football, we feel insecure. Right. It's just part of the American identity within the soccer landscape. Mm -hmm. And so I want Portland and Seattle to keep those unique names that make us American and identifiable and unique. But that's not what MLS is wanting. If, If the top dog, if the leader of the pack is not necessarily wanting that and promoting that type of style then I don't think it's going to be successful long-term. I think that they're the most successful and the epitome of what the previous structure pre 2014 rebrand in MLS looks like. Mm-hmm. They have success on the team, on the field, very unique uh, branding to their demographic, to yeah. their city. But MLS is trying to get past cities. 
so they're do you, do going you, national. So, so do you think that the Sounders, like the Sounders part of that name will be gone? Are you arguing that like they could just go to Seattle FC in the future? Or are you arguing that they're just going to generalize their brand over a longer period of time? Yes. But keep the Sounders yes, name? Keep, so, so you look at Arsenal. Yeah. It, when when they were founded, it was Woolwich Arsenal in like 1889 or something like that. Yeah. They were they were workers in a cannon factory. Mm-hmm. No one in their right mind would come up with a new team at, in North London and just call them Arsenal SC. Right. If there wasn't some history attached to it, you have yeah. Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Like you have Tottenham, which is the area of North London. Yeah. And then Hotspur. That I don't care to know i'll let uh, charlotte fan tv explain to me the significance of the <laughs> hotspur other yeah. than it's just a stupid chicken um but anyways there there is that history so i think that sounders and timbers i think that they will keep their name since they were the most successful ones underneath that umbrella in yeah. that time period but then as you said they will begin to generalize they will to begin to broaden i think seattle sounders are yeah. already starting to do that I mean, to be fair they already do have fc's in their name yes. it is seattle sounders fc i think portland timbers though are just portland timbers yeah so, so. i think less so with seattle so seattle's still like they're buying the big names yeah. In terms of like, you know, Nico Ladero, they yeah, got, yeah. Well, they didn't buy Jordan Morris, but they, they have a big American name. Then they have uh, Rui Diaz. And right. and so they, they, they're always going to buy that big foreign star or whatever to have on their team, yeah. sell jerseys and everything and keep that appeal and to continue to have success on the field and at the organization. Right. But I think there's going to have to be some either new structuring or new branding or anything because I just compare it with LAFC. You can wear that LAFC jersey on a night out and it yeah. looks great. If you look at a Sounders in terms of like their gear, that's where like I'm I'm very biased as a Carolina I know, I feel, fan. I'm I know, a Carolina I feel fan. Like I disagree with that. I feel like I love the like Seattle like colorway, both from the Seahawks, which is the NFL team, and no. the Sounders. I think it's great. I think it's unique. That's actually one of the problems I have with the Charlotte brand. Like I you know, I just love how the Hornets are the teal and purple. Yeah. I wanted it to be something like really striking. And I think that's awesome. Like what Seattle have in their yeah. brand. It's like it, you look at it and you're like Seattle, yeah. right? It's like, you don't even need to see the logo. You can just see it from a distance. You're like, that guy's got a Sounders jersey on. Yeah. So I think that's great. Uh, I, I, I love it personally, yeah. but I mean, that's where personal perspective Yeah, that's where in. personal perspective is. Yeah. And, and in terms of like a wide audience and stuff, that's just not, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, an exception or whatever, maybe yeah. to, to their marketing department of their research and, and everything. But I think Seattle less so. I think that yeah. that's safe to say yeah. that they're not going to be successful. I think maybe Portland someone... Timbers need to like, you, they're not going to be selling the most jerseys. Like they have, we looked at it. It's like number 13 and 11 or something. in um, most jerseys sold in yeah. MLS this year, but for a team as historic and successful especially in the recency, like in the, yeah. in the short term, they're going to have to restructure how they approach buying players, how they approach mm-hmm. marketing their team. Yeah. I think my pushback to that would be that not everyone can be a big market team with, with aspirations to be a global brand. Yeah. That can't be everyone. Someone like Seattle, someone like LAFC, the cities that they're in, they are set up to be those. You yeah. see it in you see it in Europe, right? Like Manchester United, Manchester City, any of the London teams. Yeah. But when you get outside of that, like you're talking more small market yeah, teams. That's like, a fair point. It, so for Portland, like Portland is definitely a small market. And so I would be really concerned for them because I don't feel like it's like 
long-term realistic for them to like really be this huge worldwide brand that's like focused on stars and selling jerseys and all this kind of stuff. I think they have something great where they are in their small market and like that's what they need to like continue to foster and maintain. And so I would argue for them to keep their name. And I guess from my perspective on this, I really, really hope that we see the like balance that we have in the league right now between like these generic names from the new Orleans and these kind of American names. I think there's actually a good balance in the league right now between them. And I hope that balance kind of sticks around. I don't mind at all the kind of even more recent trend of Chicago fire, Houston dynamo teams like that keeping revamping and just revamping and making it more modern. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think, and it's obviously a case by case basis. Like yeah. Sporting Kansas City, they needed to rebrand, as they because, said in their in their on their oh, website. Oh yeah, we talked about that in one of our MLS 101 episodes. On their website, they actually like absolutely trash their old brand. Yeah, and th- the Wizards just didn't resonate in Kansas City. They needed something new, and they needed something new to coincide with them move to a new stadium. Yeah. So obviously, this is a case by case basis. But I think, like you said at the beginning of your little monologue there. I think that it's important for MLS to do the things that it's been doing in terms of aligning itself with world soccer and doing the things that are going to make it more respectable in the world stage. The rebrand for MLS in 2014, which moved away from that horrible cleat kicking the ball logo, which was just a a horrible (laughs) clunky logo. Like, oh, it's so it was so bad Um, in a modern context. It was so bad. And so like doing things like that and like having teams that have these like really uh, world focused, like Charlotte FC kind of name is good. But I don't want us to do all that at the expense of losing what makes this league American. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm and right I think, on board I think with you're, you on I, that. I think yeah. you're on board with me on that, too. Um, I, I, just think I, just, you, I just think you have like a little bit more like uh, you're like they need to move. They need to evolve. They need, well, yeah, if, they need if, to if get Portland, rid of a name. They need to get rid of a name. If they want to be like the Sounders in terms of their global marketability, they have to make changes. Like yeah. that, That's a fair statement. But you said... Right. They, maybe they aren't have different that, goals. They, yeah, they, so they'll they'll have different goals. Yeah, maybe. But well, like what we talked through, like the yeah. five steps we talked through, maybe they sit around the table and they're like, our target market. We're not doing the same things as what LSC is doing. Yeah. We have different goals for what this club means to this community and what this club's vision is long term, and so that's why we shared all that information at the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that's kind of important to understand the processes that are going through. Okay, go on. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and I guess this is a good segue into our next topic and yeah. bring this all full circle. What are the goals? What are the objectives with Charlotte FC's branding? Yep. So we saw that they had different names thrown around, including, you know, the typical American, not typical anymore, but the yeah. historical American ones like uh the gliders a crown or, or whatever but instead they went for the safe bet mm-hmm. they went for charlotte fc so like what are what are your thoughts with that branding what do you think that they're trying to move forward with given the criteria that we've already discussed of what a marketing team is going to be doing when they're trying to figure out who their segment slash target market is and how they're going to cater to them yeah i think that David Tepper and uh, his whole team, I think they sat down around the table and they went through their steps and they looked at Charlotte and they saw a city that is full of young, diverse transplants 
a lot of people from different parts of the country, a lot of young people, a city that's growing exponentially fast going yeah the, there's a funny statement uh, the rarest person to find in charlotte is someone who is actually born and raised yeah. in charlotte it's, exactly. it's impossible to find so people i think like they that. yeah they sat around the table they looked at the demographic and everything and they looked at their geography as well right like both carolinas and then ultimately probably a more worldwide focus yeah I think they sat around the table and saw how young and diverse of a city Charlotte is, how quickly it's growing and how quickly everything changes here. I mean, you turn around here and like that apartment complex was not there yesterday. Yeah. And that that shopping center was not there yesterday. Like it just feels like stuff's going up crazy fast here as well as like the suburbs around. Yeah, they're preparing for uh, an influx of um, over a million people within the next like five or 10 years right. in, in terms of the apartments and the infrastructure that they're building. Continuing. Yeah, so for something like that that is growing that fast, they looked at that and they wanted a brand that was going to resonate with everybody. Yeah. And I don't think they wanted to choose a brand, uh, a name that really maybe focused on the heritage of the city or focused on one aspect of the city because that would potentially kind of alienate the name, the name and the brand from certain markets. And it's really hard to know kind of how the Charlotte market's going to evolve because it's going to grow so quickly. Yeah. So I think they wanted to go with something a little more, quote, safe yeah. that they can grow with. And then that is a brand that it let, it kind of gives the supporters here. Here's a brand. We have a crown in the middle. You've got a lot of royalty things with to play with. You've got a lot of crown things to play with. Mm -hmm. You create the culture, you build it. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll follow you. Right. So we're already seeing kind of like the, for the crown hashtag and like, we're seeing some character. You things have Mint city collective, which Mint city yeah. collective, which is like, has a lot of that character. So like, I think they kind of want their brand to be safe and inclusive and worldwide focused, potentially building to a more worldwide brand yeah. and competing with what ultimately Atlanta United has down in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I think that we're trying to be the Manchester city. Yeah. And so, you know, Charlotte FC, we got the similar colors or whatever, but yeah. just look at the logo itself. Manchester city's new logo has the boat yeah. on it which is iconic with Manchester. And so you see Manchester United, they have the same one. Yeah. And it, it looks a little bit different, but the same, same principle same idea, of, yeah. Yeah, of, of a, like a big giant boat or whatever. Mm -hmm. And their goal with that was to have something that's identifiable with Manchester. Yep. So we have the crown. We want something that's identifiable with Charlotte, but not so niche to where there's no room for growth in terms of mm -hmm. a global stage, which is what MLS is wanting. Yep. And so I think that that's kind of that model that they're trying to go after. And I'm, yeah. I'm happy with it in terms of their aspirations. If Charlotte FC become one of the biggest teams in MLS and become a global powerhouse, yeah. I'm so proud to be a part of that. Like yeah. that is something I can get on board with. And I'm like, all right, I'm willing to go to these first like two seasons and you know, get season tickets and start establishing a culture. Yeah. That's like even through this podcast. Um, and that's something that I want to compete with, with Atlanta. Like I hate the Falcons. Those <laughs> dirty words are so bad. Every time the Panthers play them, I just get so frustrated. Yeah. But anyways, I think that that's just kind of like a, a good incentive in terms of what Charlotte FC marketing team was wanting to do with that. It's yeah. not flashy. And, and I'm glad you brought up the Manchester City comparison because let's look at the people that are sitting around the table having these branding conversations. Tom Glick is the president that uh, David Tepper brought in and handpicked for. He is a former uh, high-level executive in the City Football Group, which is the ownership group of Manchester City. Yeah. 
So he has experience creating a brand and creating a worldwide brand. There's a reason David Tepper brought him in, right? Like there's, yeah. He has a mandate to do those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, he's not as successful as he is without putting some smart people and yeah. making some good hires and decisions with what he does. Yes, exactly. And so I think looking at that hire also gives you a window into that's, why that's Charlotte really, really insightful. Yeah. went with their went with their branding there. And then also to kind of wrap us up here, they to reemphasize what I said earlier, they don't want to box themselves in with this branding. They don't want to create something that is going to give off bad vibes or bad perceptions because um, as we were doing research here, we found this quote from uh, Elon Musk, who is the CEO of Tesla. Um, and it is quote, brand is just a perception and perception will match reality over time. End quote. So when you look at some of the proposed names that Charlotte FC had when they released kind of the names that got patented, there was like a list of eight names and everyone debated over them for months and months and months. You had names like Charlotte Town FC and Charlotte Athletic FC, both ones that would be more general, more in line with that worldwide brand and not an Americanized name. But if you look at Charlotte Town FC, the perception of that is small time. It's a small time club. And that is a label that Charlotte is trying to rid itself of. With Charlotte Athletic FC, you get these like weird track and field vibes with the athletic name. And so ultimately it doesn't matter what you intend with the name. It matters how you, how people perceive it. Yeah, exactly. You can you can intend great things with a name. You could have come up with this logo that has so much symbolism and metaphors for what your city is and all these positive traits. But if people look at it and they see something else, then that's a problem. I mean, we're kind of seeing this with the recent Houston Dynamo rebrand. You've kind of got two camps. You've got some people that look at it and they did a hexagon crest. Yeah. So it's got six sides to represent the six wards of Houston. And some people are like, this is awesome. No one does a hexagon. It's so unique, but like so clean. Like I really love like that symbolism. I think it's awesome how unique it is. Yeah. And that's how they perceive it. But then other people are like, this looks like a baseball crest. Yeah. And I don't want my soccer team to look a baseball crest. And that's how they perceive it. And I'm not sure if the Houston team were looking at, were in the meeting like, oh, people are going to perceive this as a baseball yeah. crest. And so ultimately, perception is going to match reality over time. So if I perceive the logo as something, that is going to end up matching the reality for me, the reality that I create yeah. of what this team is. If I think a logo is sloppy and not well done, you didn't put thought into it. The reality of the reality of what I did with the, what I think of the club is that this club is also sloppy and not well run and not well done. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I think that gives you a window into why Charlotte didn't go with some of those names. Yeah, exactly. So like we said earlier, core values shape everything mm -hmm. of how you act and how you perceive things and how you interpret things. Right. And so the core values of Charlotte FC have to be mirrored in terms of the way that they're pushing themselves and hopefully perceived by people so that they can go and move forward and achieve their dreams and success of being a dominant team in MLS. Yeah. And then Charlotte in general wants to be a dominant city in the U S we're right. wanting to go from that away from a small market to a major city. We're the number two, uh, finance capital, yeah. in the United States, just behind New York City. And we exchange with San Francisco every now and then, but now we've established ourselves as number two mm -hmm. and in that order. We're, we're coming from the crown. Yeah. And we're wanting to go number one 
in terms of finance cities in the U.S. We want to grow. We want to be successful. And we want to highlight things that are Charlotte. But then also, we want to get some championships along the way and have some success and a, a lot of fun in the meantime. Absolutely. And I'm going to end there. Yeah, Because that is, that is a great final line. So on that note, I am Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. And this is What the FC. There's a there's some hiccups along the way. That's okay. Um, but Nothing editing can't fix. That's that's why we that's why we keep it rolling. Yeah, differential responsiveness is is a tough one.